Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. Our scripture today is Mark 13, 1 through 37. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings? replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out, Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress, unequal from the beginning, when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here's the Messiah, or look, there he is. Do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. 
At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the word of the Lord. Many of you know that I was in uh, the Navy, and from the moment I stepped foot at boot camp, they began, we'll say, molding me, shaping my thoughts and the way I behaved, the way I spoke, the way I dressed. One of the things that they began beating in almost immediately was what is known as, at least in the Navy, the 11 general orders. The 11 general orders are orders that are given that are to be followed all the time. These are orders that no matter what uh, are to be taken heed of. These are orders that people are supposed to follow as they are guarding, as they are standing fire watch, as they are taking charge of their posts. I want to give you a little flavor of what these 11 general orders are. One, to take charge of my post and all government property within view. Two, to walk my post in a military manner, keeping always on the alert and observing everything that takes place within sight or hearing. Number five, this was my favorite because it was the shortest one to remember. Now, now they're asking you, you know, what's your seventh general order? If you don't get it word for word, it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to go well. So I can still recite them. Five, to quit my post only when properly relieved. And 11 begins with to be especially watchful at night. These orders we knew that when we stood guard, when we stood fire watch, these were standing orders. They never changed. In today's text, Jesus gives us, as it were, some general orders about what it means that as we stand guard and as we watch for his return, how we are supposed to live, how we are supposed to behave, and what we are supposed to be doing until he comes back. When things get hard and the world heats up, we should begin looking upward with anticipation. We should be looking at the signs. We should be seeing what's going on and being aware. Our preaching and our teaching should get louder. Our service should become more dedicated. This is really the nature of what Jesus tells us to do, to prepare us. But for some reason, various reasons, we do not always look to the sky in times of trouble, do we? We look to the things of this world, the ways of mankind, in order to achieve a sense of calm a sense of peace, but maybe you can feel it. I sure can. Something's changing. Something's different. Jesus has told us as much. It might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen in a thousand years, but we know that he is returning. 
things are lining up, and that day should be a day for us of hope, not distraction and fear. So we need to be watching and waiting for the return of Christ. This is our blessed hope. He is our blessed hope. Now, we need to know this, otherwise we're going to be doing other things, aren't we? We're going to be found sleeping, as Jesus says. We're going to be distracted by other things. We're going to be distracted, perhaps, by our sin. Too busy, absorbed with ourselves and what we want in order to look out and see what God wants, to know that he is returning to make all things right again. And ultimately, we could lose out on reward. Jesus has promised that upon his return, when we go to heaven, we will stand before him and our works will be judged. Not whether or not we're saved, but if you're a believer, your works will be judged for the purpose of reward. Some of us will walk away with greater rewards than the other. This is simply stated by Jesus. We don't want to lose out on anything that God has for us because we are too busy being distracted, too busy looking elsewhere. Today, this is something of a controversial topic, maybe, not only because it's end times. No one really likes to talk about it. It can be scary. Just, you know, reading the 37 verses, I was like, oh, I don't even know if I want to get up and talk about it now. (laughs) Not only that, but this causes something of controversy within the church, even within our church. Because the perspective that we take when reading these words, the theology that we hold when understanding what Jesus is saying differs from person to person. This is known as a difference between uh, pre-tribulational return of Christ or the post-tribulational return of Christ or, as some of us are, the mid-tribulational return of Christ. The issue really boils down to this. When, in relation to the seven-year period of tribulation that's spoken about in this time, does Jesus return? Does he come first, before the seven years? Does he rapture his church to heaven and then the seven years occurs and then he comes again in his second coming at the end of the seven years? Does he come after the tribulation? And this is important for us to know and to understand and to, because really the question boils down to is are we going to be here or are we not? Now, I don't know about you. I'll tell you my opinion on this. I believe that this is a non-essential. What's most important is Christ is coming. Many of us throw the baby out with the bathwater. We say, well, we don't know when Christ is coming, so we're not going to talk about his return at all. But that is the wrong approach. The truth is, is Christ will return, and when he comes, we don't know. He says as much, but he warns us to be ready. He warns us to be ready. So I don't know about you, but I would rather be found waiting and be pleasantly surprised when I'm suddenly flying to heaven before the tribulation occurs, but I want to be prepared for the worst, and I think that that is a reasonable approach for all of us as we talk about this, no matter how you understand these words regarding the tribulation. So let's take a look. Jesus teaches us four lessons, out of at least four lessons out of this passage about how we should be prepared for the times that are coming. Should they be in our lifetime or should they not? Really, this teaches us a posture of living regardless if Christ is coming back. This should be our go-to and default setting in how we live. First, take up your watch. Take up your watch. He says, be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and he puts his servants in charge. And they watch the door. This is funny. Lane and I went on vacation uh, not that long ago and we left Calvin and uh, the other people staying with us at home. And on the way back, or when, the, the day we were getting ready to leave, I said, maybe we should go back a day early. Maybe we should just show up. They're expecting us on this day. Let's show up a day early and see what's actually happening at the house. 
they were found to be sleeping. Let's put it that way, okay? They were not paying attention. We do not know when the Lord is going to return, the owner of our house. We don't want to be found sleeping. We don't want to be found sinning. We don't want to be doing other things. We have a joke in our house. Do you want to be doing that when Jesus comes back? You know, because we do it over stupid things. You know, it's like fight over the TV. No, I want to watch this. Do you really want to be doing that when Jesus comes back? But there's truth to this. This needs to be a reminder to us that one day the Lord is coming. It could be right now. No, or right now. It's imminent. He's coming. He tells us to watch. We do not know, but he is. And so we need to be ready when he comes. Some of us have just simply not taken up our watch. Some of us have not taken our post and took charge of it and looked out. They're not watching the signs, either because of ignorance. I didn't know Jesus is coming. I didn't know this was even part of our faith. Maybe they think it's a metaphorical return. Some Christians believe that that Jesus won't come bodily or Jesus won't come physically or visibly. But Jesus is very clear about this. The whole Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, the Psalms, the prophets, it's permeated with the idea of the day of the Lord. The return of God himself, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus will return bodily in the flesh. He will return visibly and publicly. Everyone will get to see it. There will be no question. There will not be someone that says, look, he's over here. Everyone will know when the creator comes back and returns to the scene physically. And it will be mightily. It says he comes on the clouds. He comes with might to bring justice and salvation and hope to a world that's gone so astray. So it might be ignorance that we don't take up our watch Maybe it's disbelief. We don't really think Jesus is coming back. Church is just something that good people do. Church, what we understand in the Bible, what we believe in the Bible, it's all just what man has come up with. It's our best effort. So there's this tacit disbelief. Some of us do this practically. We might believe every word in the Bible and live differently than we should. We're focused on other things. We're focused on living a life that seems best to us instead of living a life that's been arranged and prioritized by Jesus and what he says about his return. Or maybe we have not taken our watch up for fear. We don't want to think about what's happening. I mean, when I read these words, these are serious. These are serious. We're going to talk about how this is a hopeful time for us, but in the end, let's not get it confused. This is going to be a time when people who have not trusted the Lord will know. Where Jesus comes to separate those who are his, the sheep from the goats, those who are not. Those who don't know him, it says, as much as we don't want it to, that they will have everlasting and eternal punishment in hell. That should motivate everything we do. Not only should that difficult truth motivate the way that we follow Christ, this, after all, is what he saved us from, but it should motivate the way we love and preach the word to others. They need to know. They need to hear. When we don't want to share what God's asking us to share, that should be our memory. That should be on our mind. The eternal and everlasting punishment of them because of their sin, the same sin that Christ saved us from. We don't want to be 
distracted. We don't want to be fearful. Maybe there's sin in our own life. I know there are times where I've struggled and I thought, I really hope Jesus doesn't come back right now. Because I don't want to be found sleeping. I don't want to be found distracted. And each and every one of you know what I'm talking about. It's not unique to me. We're sinners. We carry around a sin nature where we want what we want. And we don't want to be found without it. So we pray that he doesn't return. We fear his return. Or maybe the thought of loved ones who do not yet know Christ. Maybe the very thought of what they're going to go through prevents us from really embracing this truth. It's like not going to the doctor for fear that they're going to tell you if cancer. <laughs> it doesn't change. It doesn't change it. Maybe we're afraid of the pain and persecution that comes with the period of tribulation. I know I am. I don't want to be dragged before anybody for anything. Dragging, not good. Dragging, bad word. It says elsewhere in the scripture that we'll be dragged before. And guess what? Some of us, if Jesus returns, if the tribulation occurs at this time they're talking about some of us, we're going to lose our heads for it. And we need to be prepared. It doesn't mean that we have to say, okay, I accept this. I'm, I'm going to run to this. This is something that I'm looking forward to, to be martyred for the Lord. For me, it's something that I say, Lord Jesus, give me strength on that day. Because none of us, none of us should say, I'll be okay on that day. Each and every one of us should be looking to Christ. Lord, give me the grace that I need. Have mercy on me. Make it quick. I hope the beheader guy is quick with it. I hope that he gets it right on the first time. <laughs> we need to be ready. We need to look to Christ. Maybe we're afraid. Maybe we're just afraid. So we don't take up our watch. But Jesus promises to give us the grace that we need to endure. He says it right. He says that do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Remember we talked about this several months ago about fear, fearing God, fearing man, fear. What it really is, that word fear, you can transpose the word worship there. When we fear something, it's we're assigning strength and power. We worship it. So when we fear something other than God, we're really committing idolatry. We're really looking to something else, to someone else. So we need to be watchful. We watch other things though, don't we? (laughs) <laughs> the little ticker on the bottom of the CNBC business page. Our stock portfolio. We watch our careers. Watch our education. We watch politics. Lots of politics. Too much politics. We seek to find anything that will pull us away and occupy the space in our hearts that's intended to be focused on Christ and his plan for our lives. Because we'll fill it with anything our families. We're so busy trying to create the perfect family that goes the perfect way that we fail to see that we need God's grace and that Christ is supposed to be there to bridge the gap. This is a quick side note. You can say everything right to your kids. Everything. You could say everything right to the person to whom you're speaking about Christ, someone you're discipling. If you're a leader or a boss, your employees, you can tell them everything correctly, and because they're human beings with their own will, they can choose to just simply not do it. We don't get that. So we struggle harder. We work more. We try to say it better. We try to control these people in our lives. I just think about our families. 
This community is, is bound by this spirit of, I got to get my kid a scholarship. It's bound by, what if he doesn't go to the best school? Or what if he just manages to go to a vocation and become a heating and air guy and make like 120 grand a year, by the way, but, <laughs> right? We look to the wrong things. The human soul searches for answers. The sinful human soul searches for answers everywhere but God. We seek other saviors. In other words, don't be distracted. And that's our second point. Avoid distraction. First, take up your watch. Second, avoid distraction. Jesus says, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Mark is saying, pay attention to this. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one go to the housetop, go down uh, on the housetop, go down or enter the house, take anything out, grab nothing. You know, we just went to Costa Rica and on the, in the event of a water landing, you know, it's like that never happens. It's like, if you're going down, it's done. But they say in the rare event that that happens, don't take your stuff. Could you imagine you're in the water and there's people in the overhead compartments trying to grab their things, you know, that's like, I just get me off of this thing. Get me out of this thing. Jesus is saying, don't grab anything. When you see this occur, run. Flee. This one just pulls at my heart. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those days of distress will be unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. This is the worst tribulation. We call it the great tribulation that will ever occur. We need to be ready. We need to avoid distraction. Many of us are distracted by the sin in our lives or things of this world. We're not looking. We're paying attention to other things. But there's nothing more serious than sleeping on watch. Did you know that in the United States of America today, in a time of war, sleeping on your watch in the military, punishable by death. Punishable by death. In the military, there is nothing more serious than sleeping while you're supposed to be protecting your brothers and sisters. There's nothing more serious sleeping when you're supposed to be watching for an imminent invasion. Nothing. The same holds true for us. We need to be paying attention. We cannot allow the things of this world to distract us. Because just as those who sleep on watch put the people around them at risk, we sleep on watch and put ourselves at risk. They're distracted by the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, aren't we? Distracted by pleasure. I talk to people all the time, you know I do. And often it's regarding substances, drugs and alcohol. Many times I've heard, if I stop doing this, my life's not going to be fun anymore. The other day I was sitting around the table with some friends, we were playing Uno. And the th- it was a Saturday night, Friday night. And I thought, no, Saturday night. And the thought occurred to me, I'm playing Uno around the table in my house in suburban Villa Park, not drinking, not using, and I'm having fun. I'm having fun. We so want to hold on to that which we think will give us pleasure that we refuse to give it up and allow and trust God to give us what we really want, to give us what we really need. Jesus is not saying, don't take that. He's saying, I have something better for you. I have something better. And we have to take that by faith, don't we? Because it doesn't seem so obvious all the time. If you went to me and said, hey, I want you to stop using drugs and alcohol because soon you're going to play Uno around your table and drink LaCroix 
and it's going to be so awesome, I would never have gotten clean. <laughs> we have to take it by faith. So not only the lust of the flesh, but the lust of the eyes, material things of this world. It says, let no one enter his house to get his possessions. Let it go. In the end, none of this matters. Remember how this whole thing started? The disciples saying, Jesus, look at this beautiful temple. And Jesus, in the end, meaningless. All of this great, and the stones, they're, they're no joke. The stones that comprise just the temple surround, you know, the wall surrounding the temple. Imagine like, I don't want to get out of shot. Imagine like eight feet high and 12 feet wide and 12 feet deep and they're stacked one on top of the other for a height of 100 feet or more. These are massive stones. The effort, the human ingenuity, the achievement necessary to get, it doesn't matter. Jesus says, it's all going to come tumbling down. It's all going to come tumbling down. We can be distracted by our career, by money, toys. In the Old Testament, we learn of Lot's wife. During the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels come and say, take your family and flee. Don't look back. Don't look back. Of course, we know Lot's wife looks back. She's turned to a pillar of salt. That is our life in Christ. When we look back, we can expect to find nothing good. When we look to the things of this world to hold on to something that Christ wants to take from us in order to give us something better, we end up suffering for it. Jesus says that when we plow the field, we look to the horizon. Our job is to look ahead, and for us, it's the return of Christ to which we look. So we need to begin watching and avoiding distractions, but there's more. Three, we need to maintain our situational awareness. This is a military term that we talk about. This is something, you know, I was just talking to a couple of people who were missionaries in Europe, and they use this term too. So situational awareness in terms of being like overseas in the military means that you don't go home if you live off base by the same way every day. You pick a different direction. You don't make a pattern. You don't allow people to see where you're going. It's an effort to protect yourself. You don't know who's out there. Military have enemies. You look for people around you. Have I seen someone again and again? Is someone acting or behaving differently? This is what it means to maintain situational awareness, to be focused on what is happening around you instead of like most of us just walking through our day without ever paying attention. Jesus warns us, don't be deceived. Verse 21, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive. Listen to that, signs and wonders. They're going to show up and some of it's going to look really convincing. Really convincing. And if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. There's things that we see. If something looks really convincing, we better say, wait, instead of, it, it, instead of accepting it, it should be red flag. Red flag. Jesus warned us about this. Jesus warned us. People will claim to be the Messiah. We see this already. You know, David Koresh claimed to be the Messiah. And it's one of, who knows, thousands of people. People claim to be our salvation, though, too. They might not come out and say, I am Jesus. What they're going to come out and say is, I have a solution for you. Some area in our lives, some problem in our community, some issue with the culture, I have the answer. I have the answer. 
Now, many times new developments happen, and they do. They have a tremendous, wonderful impact on our culture and community, and we should embrace those things. But never before looking to Christ as the source of everything that's good. Christ is our salvation. The Antichrist himself at the end of times, during this tribulation period, will say, I have a solution. This is what worries me the most about today with relation to the end times. Everyone's getting irritated with everyone. Things are getting pulled apart. And it's getting worse and worse as the days go by. The person who comes in and says, I have a way to make it all better. And we're going to hear it a lot in the midterms, and we're going to hear it a lot in 2024. That phrase, I can cross the aisle. I can make all of this peace happen. We need to be careful about that. Jesus warns us that it's going to get worse and worse and worse. We need to be careful because the person who says, I have the solution, is someone that we need to be aware of and not be deceived. But if we're not looking, if we're not avoiding distraction, if we are not being aware of what's going on around us, we're going to miss it. So we need to pay attention. Jesus warns us. He's told us everything ahead of time. Not only do we need to be aware of the situation, but we need to be aware of how bad it's going to be. Again, remember, I'm assuming that we're going to go through this. If we get pulled out, thank you, Jesus. But we need to be ready. So we mustn't be surprised about the severity of what's to come. I just think about myself. I know it's going to be bad, but I know there's going to be times like I'm going to say, I can't take anymore. There's nothing more I can take. This is as far as I can go. It can't get worse than this. I hear this all the time from you guys. Look at the culture. It can't get worse than this. First of all, we are the culture. Let me just make that clear, okay? Like when we talk about the culture, that's us. We're a part of it. This, we're in it. It can't get much worse. It can get worse. It could get a lot worse. It could get a lot worse. So we need to be not surprised by the severity of the situation. So what are we looking for specifically? Let's talk about a couple specific things. First, we're looking for geopolitical strife, as if we need more of that. When you hear of wars and rumors of war, don't be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Geopolitical strife. Second, we're looking for natural disasters and cosmic upheaval. Cosmic. This is not just another famine or another earthquake. It does say in verse 8, there'll be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are just the beginnings of the birth pains. But later on, it says 24, in those days following that distress, listen to this, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. This is something of supernatural and cosmic proportions that we've never could expect or never have seen in the past. Severe persecution. Verse 9, but you must be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and, and kings as witnesses to them. I don't know how many of you have read the Left Behind series, but in that series, it talks about believers being brought to DuPage County Jail to get their heads lopped off. I've been to DuPage County Jail. It's not great. But it's going to be serious. The persecution is going to be worse than anything we've ever felt. We make jokes, maybe not jokes, we claim we're persecuted. Now let's just put this into perspective, real, just real honestly. They're making me wear masks. I'm being persecuted. They're teaching something I don't believe in school because they're unbelievers. 
I'm persecuted. I, and you fill in the blank, because there's a thousand things we put in there. All right? I disagree with all of those things. I'm with you on that. This is real persecution. I want you to think of our brothers and sisters who are in hiding. Afghanistan, if they're found, burnt alive, heads chopped off. That is persecution, and that is the persecution that we can expect in the end when things get hotter, things get more serious. We need to be prepared. These times split us up. They, they sort of separate, the common parlance, they separate the men from the boys. This is what Christ is asking us to be. Are you all in? Are you willing to do this for him? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and die. Follow me to death. This is what Christ is asking you to do. This is what God wants from us. It's this level of commitment that he's asking us to have. We don't got to have it all figured out. We don't got to say, yes, I'm ready. In fact, it should be, I'm not ready. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. We can expect financial persecution, physical persecution, and even death. There'll be religious perversion. This phrase, when anyone sees the abomination that causes desolation. Okay, in 167, Antiochus Epiphanes slaughtered a pig in the altar of the temple. Now, those of you who understand Judaism well know that this is a horrific act that a pig was known as the most unclean animal. And so to slaughter a pig on the altar was just a complete desecration of everything that they believed. This happened similarly in 70 AD during the fall of Jerusalem, during the sacking of Jerusalem by uh, the Romans. But this can't just mean those two periods. In the book of Daniel, it says at the end time, the same thing will happen. And we see this a lot in the scripture. Something that could have been attributed to the past or even was specifically attributed to the past will happen again. So there'll be significant religious perversion. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that looks like. Finally, relational breakdown. Brother will betray brother to death and father and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Calvin, we're buddies. We're buddies, dude. I'm just kidding. You're going to be standing there next to me. Anyway, everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So what do we do? Remain glued to the television? Every time something new happens, we get hyped up and here he comes and we, we're so, we can be distracted by the end times. You realize that, right? We can be so distracted by what's happening and looking for signs that we're missing out on the very thing Jesus is ultimately asking us to do is to trust him. To trust him. We can be calmly aware and not panic. Not every tragedy, war, piece of sinful legislation is an indication that Jesus is coming back. We just don't know. Even Jesus in his humanity didn't know. However, Jesus gives us a warning to watch and the reassurance that we will not see it coming. He says like he comes, he says that he will come like a thief in the night. 30, verse 32, but about the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard, be alert. You do not know. You do not know. My computer's acting funny. Ah, when the time will come. It's like a man going away. We talked about this. So are we supposed to live with this constant trepidation of what might come? One time, when I was in middle school, I mouthed off to the wrong kid. It happens. 
It's happened before. It'll happen again, I'm sure. I mouthed off to the wrong kid. He says, I'll see you after school. So I ran from the school, dodged all the corners, looked around. It seemed like he was going to be behind every single bush. I couldn't even live my life. I couldn't even walk home because of this total fear. He found me, by the way. Let's just leave it at that. He found me. He found me. Jesus wants us to watch with anticipation but not be scared. We don't need the anxiety because God has given us the grace and promise that even in those days he'll be merciful. It says the days are cut short even for the sake of elect, sake of the elect. All that is wrong will be righted. We will be vindicated. This should be a source of hope for us. Everything that we want, those people who said you're just an idiot, they're going to see. The times that we said no to ourselves and yes to God and haven't seen the reward or the fruition of what he's promised, we'll see it then. This is a day of hope for us. The day that we will live in absolute joy, intimacy, and love with God and each other. The word bliss. Bliss. Finally, be ready for our faithful general is coming. Be ready. The general is coming. Verse 26. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And, we, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Don't be worried about that day. God is merciful. He'll protect you. He protected the Israelites. I just, I'm going through Exodus right now in my devotion, and I found it very interesting. I never read it before, but several of the plagues in Exodus, the Jews had to go through. All of it didn't just happen to the Egyptians. Some they were spared from. So God spares us from things, but we don't necessarily expect that he's going to spare us from everything. We don't need to be worried because God wins. God wins. That day he returns, the moment we see him, that first trumpet blast, it's all, everything's going to fall in line. We're going to know. We're going to see. No matter how evil may seem to prosper, we can know that the devil has been defeated. So we needn't worry, but we need to trust him more. Trust him with your fear of your persecution, of the things you think you need to give up in order to follow him. Trust him with your hopes and desires. Trust him for your salvation. For those of you who are sitting here who maybe don't know Jesus Christ, or just visiting, or maybe you've come to church a long time, but you've never really just really internalized this and accepted him, this is what he's wanting to save you from. (laughs) This is what he's wanting to save you from. He does not want you to go through this. He wants you to know that because of your sin, this is coming. Because of sin, Christ is returning to punish sin. God wants you to know that he has given you a provision, that Christ died on your behalf, so the sin that Jesus is coming to punish has already been punished on the cross. And that we can look to this day with hope and joy. Hope and joy. Though we're saved by grace and our obedience is motivated, empowered by it, we still have a choice. First, we need to clean house. Some of us are living lives that we don't want Jesus to come back. We do not want Jesus to come back. If no one knows what you're struggling with, find someone you can trust and tell them. Put some light on this thing. You don't want this. Get rid of everything that you might be ashamed of when you stand before Jesus. Seek a deeper relationship with him now. I think some of us follow Christ of our mind. We talked about this last week. Follow the Christ of our mind so much that we're not even going to recognize the Christ of the Bible when he shows up. 
is going to look different than what we expected. And help others make the choice to live more faithfully for Christ. We don't want to do this. We don't want others to just simply live their lives. We want to tell them what's happening. We want to warn them so we don't wait quietly. The fourth general order says to repeat all calls from posts more distant from the guardhouse than my own. God's given us orders. Our responsibility, repeat those orders to other people. God's giving us his truth. We need to repeat that truth to other people and to pass on to those who might not know what's really going to happen. We pass on what we receive from the Lord to others. We teach them. Tell people, warn them, encourage each other, remind our kids, entreat the wayward, set an example for the one who faithfully stands watch while waiting for the appearance of our great Savior, our general, and our friend, Jesus. The world's heating up. You know, you feel it. I think you feel it. I think you feel it. And I don't mean global warming either. (laughs) Things seem to be happening. Look out to the world around you. Do you see what's going on? Do you sense that there's something going on behind the scenes? It's time to take up your watch. It's time to avoid distractions. It's time to maintain your situational awareness. And as you're looking out to those things, as you're looking out to the world, don't forget to look up and be ready for our faithful general is coming. Let's pray. Father, your uh, word, Jesus spoke such serious words in this passage, Lord. And he told us because he loves us. He told us because he wants us to be ready. And so, Lord, we pray that by your grace, we will be ready. Lord, we know that in our own confidence, it might be that, that you know, we don't want to be falsely confident about what we're going to have to stand against. But, Lord, we look to you and we trust you. We ask that you give us the grace to stand if you call us to do so. That you give us the willingness to watch what's happening and to speak truth to others and to ourselves while we wait. We pray, Lord, that these truths would be sobering to us, but also moving us to rejoice. We pray, Lord, that we would not be found sleeping. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.